Welcome to Chapter 3. In this chapter, Trevor shares his main recovery learnings. Looking back now, what would you say were the most beneficial elements to your recovery? Yeah, that that really is a good question, Robbie. Um, Probably three or four really key points that together really helped me take a different approach. And and the first thing was the example of me holding my arms up and just discovering for myself that me getting into doing things for myself is really a good thing so that I have – ability in my arms because I'm using them, whereas I don't have ability in the rest of my body because I was lying down and protecting myself. Um, There's a difference between active and passive treatments. Yes. And passive treatments are those treatments that people are doing things to me. So, you know, massage and physio, um, where you're lying on a table, chiropractors, myotherapy, all of that. It, it pretty much pills, injections, those sorts of treatments are, are all passive. It's when something's, someone's doing something to me. As opposed to active, which is saying to me, Trev, you're strong, you're capable, get moving, motion is lotion, and when you're involved in that space, of being active rather than passive, you're moving forward and it's making a difference to your health and well-being and it's making a difference to your pain. So that was one concept. So, so active, you're meaning using active strategies rather than passive strategies? Absolutely, okay. yep. yep. So looking for things that um, are being offered or that you can do where you're the driver of them. That's right. Yeah. That I can incorporate into every day. So, you know, we talked about doing crossing the midline above shoulder height. That's a active, an active yeah. thing. Um, going for a walk to the post office, stretching. They're all active things. Going to water aerobics and incorporating, incorporating movement into my life. Sure. Um, so changing my focus from people – Doing things to me, to me doing things for myself, uh, was really a very important change. The, the other key concept that really is important to think about is how, when you're in chronic pain, pain is not an accurate measure of tissue damage. Yes. And I thought that because I'm in so much damn pain, there's got to be something catastrophic going on in my body. Yes. And then when pain goes up a peg, my goodness, my condition is worsening. I'm, I'm, degener- I'm in a degenerative condition. I'm going to be in serious trouble here. Whereas what's really pertinent for people to grasp is that pain is not an accurate measure of tissue damage. There's not a direct relationship there. That's a really important concept, just to get a really 
good grasp, started to understand that I could move more. Even if my pain went up, it didn't mean that I was... It didn't actually mean you were... Tissue damage. Yeah, and that so, was a concept you picked up from, from Aubrey in there yeah. with the pain revolution. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, That's pretty know, powerful. That, that was really important. Another important concept is that uh, pain, chronic pain is about psychological, social and medical issues and that there's a treatment out there that focuses in on the social and psychological treatments. It's called DIM-SIM therapy. So, and and DIM-SIM stands for danger in me, safety in me, and it really talks about the relationship between all the stress that's in our life as compared to all of the active, fun, enjoyable, safe things we can do for ourselves. So if we have... If we change that balance between there being lots of stress to lower stress and no self-care, no fun enjoyment to more fun enjoyment, self-care, safety stuff, then we are going to alter the relationship between our, the, our, our protecting nature, which we're on high alert all the time, and we're going to calm our state down to the point that we're also calming down not only our psychological distress, we're calming down pain. Yeah. And just to clarify, so DIM-SIM, so it's an acronym used by Pain Revolution, so DIM is... Danger in me. Yes. And SIM is safety in me. And what's the idea behind that? The so the, the idea is really to help people think about what elements in their life create stress, danger type thinking and beliefs. Okay, so not literal danger, but sort of the perception of danger or... Yes, yes. Now, it could be actual danger if you're in a domestic violence relationship, for example, then there'd be a lot of stress, there'd be a lot of danger going on. Um, and that doesn't just impact on your personal safety, but it impacts on your mindset and your psychological well-being and your relationships. So the DIM-SIM therapy is about helping people to think about what elements in their life are creating stress and danger yep. thinking. And then and for people with chronic pain, most of that's easy to understand. What are some examples of that? An example might be, for me, um, movement was... Avoided. I lied down all the time. I put yep. hot water bottles on my back. I wanted to avoid flare-ups. Yes. The thinking was if I move, I'm going to hurt and injure myself. I'm going to be in more pain. So there was a real danger in me about moving. Sure. Um, and using my back, bending, twisting, lifting. Uh, whenever I had pain in my back, it was because I bent too far or I hadn't been lying down for long enough in the day. So how, how do you convert that? What I did was I understood, I got some help, and I understood that um, I, moving was a good thing for me, that, that it was a safe thing for me. I wasn't going to do tissue damage, that I could pace myself and slowly increase the level of activity, which is a reasonable uh, way of starting to go from zero to hero, you know, doing a whole lot more than what I was doing. So I could slowly increase activity, understand that I, that 
even if my pain did increase, I wasn't causing tissue damage. So, and how did you like have? Where did you get that confidence from that it wasn't causing tissue? I got damage? it from a good assessment from a physiotherapist who yes. explained that no, your back's fine, strong, you're capable. Yes, it's okay. You're safe to move, and in fact, when you move your joints, they lubricate. They get yeah, motion is lotion. Is that something like? Given the fact you'd seen a lot of um, specialists and medical professionals prior, and you obviously hadn't got that message, but then in the Albury setting, you were getting, I guess, a, the right message about what you were safe to do and that movement is good. Is that difficult to find, I guess, um, medical people who are trained in this and that are going to give you the right messages to give you safety in me if and, and to I guess to know that you're safe to move? I think this is a fundamental flaw with the medical profession in that they are problem focused. What is wrong with this person in front of me? Rather than what are they capable of? What's working well? Um, and the thought that they're telling me they're in a lot of pain, so there's got to be something wrong. Now, there's something wrong might be um, there could be a whole lot of stress. So, look, it's worthwhile doing a proper thorough assessment to make sure that, you know, we all the red flags yes. are, are, are off the table. And that being the case, then the medical profession if it continues to go down with offering pills and more investigations like that they did for me, then that's not going to resolve the social and psychological aspects to this pain that's going on. Yeah. So that is the risk. You know, at the moment, most people that go to their doctor will get a biomedical focus rather than a more holistic approach that also looks at the social and emotional. Yeah. And that's an issue with the profession. It's an issue with time. You know, it takes time to hear someone's story and context yes. and unpack everything else that's going All on. All the contributing factors. So when you sit down in front of a doctor, he very quickly goes, what's wrong? What can I do? Yes. Rather than let's talk about your whole life. So for anyone listening... I don't know, how do they, how would they find someone who, I don't know, is going to provide, I guess, the advice? A a different approach. Yeah. Yeah. So it's worthwhile asking around. You know, my first approach is, do you know any friends that have had a different type of experience? Where did they go? Who did they talk to? Now, we're not talking about trying to find the guru that's going to fix you. Because there are plenty of people out there that say, oh, go to this person or go to that person. To me, it's more about the approach because the approach has to be bringing me back to a self-management perspective. What can you do, Trevor, to help yourself? Yes. If anybody is saying to you, I will fix you and you've got chronic pain, then run away. Because the fix is within yourself. If they're saying to you, I will help you understand what's going on and give you some strategies that you can apply to your life to improve your situation, then that's the right person. Yeah. So you can very quickly 
worked it out when you're talking to someone, if they say, tell us about your injury, show us your x-rays, or or if they're starting to suggest that we get another x-ray, another MRI or a CT scan, then they're looking for issues with tissues. If you've had long-standing pain, then it's very unlikely that it's going to be issues with tissues. Yes. My approach now is to deal with this, have a look at the social and psychological aspects to my life and work on those and see how that shifts pain. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, I guess, a view that's been formed and been learnt from, you know, these people that are at the forefront of pain science globally by the sounds of it. It is. It's also not being dismissive of issues with tissues. Yeah. I mean, it's important to have a good understanding that, okay, I don't have a broken bone here or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But we know that bones heal in six weeks. So if you've had pain for 20 years, it's not about a broken pain, sure. a broken bone. Yeah. Um, so it really is just having an accurate understanding of the fact that tissues have healed. And if that's the case, then let's find people that can offer um, really good social and psychological support. Now, that comes in the form of an occupational therapist, for example, who has a really good understanding of this stuff, a physiotherapist that might have pain accreditation, uh, a psychologist that has, you know, training in this space with pain science. And how you find those people is really uh, talking to friends, family, others that have experienced a different approach. Yeah. Yep. If you did encounter someone who was, I guess, in a similar space to you, is there any are there any books you would recommend to them or, or videos you'd, you'd suggest that they watch to, I guess, help them along on their journey? Yeah, well... You know, I've mentioned Dave Butler and Lorimer Mosley a few times, and why I like them is that they're very good at, at explaining very complex concepts in a way that makes sense to me. Yes. And if it makes sense to me, it'll make sense to anyone. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. We don't want to scare people off with big words. We don't want to have them being thinking that, we're at the end of the world. We want people to really be able to step through what's going on and what can I do to make a difference to that. Yes. Um, so almost anything that David Butler or Laura Mosley do online, there's some very good lectures available there. Um, if people Google MSK Australia, then there's two lectures online there that are professionally filmed both of one from Dave Butler, one from Laura Mosley. That's a good starting point. Okay. Yep. How long are they? They go for about an hour, okay. hour and a quarter. Yeah. Um, and then Alison Sims wrote a book, Painful Stories. Um, that's a, a series of stories about people that have had long-term chronic pain and, and what they've done to help treat it. Yes. And it's quite informative and a, a very good book. Okay. Yep. Beautiful. What do you think was the most worthwhile investment you made 
for your recovery, and that could be an investment of time, an investment of money, effort, um, anything. Yeah, having the courage to try new stuff and doing it. So, you know, instead of being fixated on a particular path and a particular way of doing something, being prepared to change that approach and and having the courage to do something different. A prime example of that really came when I was prepared to um, drop my thinking that being in relationship would be danger and and have the courage to try again and discover that um, being in a loving, caring, supportive relationship is the best thing that I could possibly do to treat my pain. Um, it might sound a bit strange, but really having the security of a secure, loving relationship um, does change the balance of danger in me and safety in me. So my safety in me is really at a very high level um, because of uh, being prepared to make that change and get into a loving relationship and be part of that. Yeah. And David's comments had kind of instigated some thought. Yeah, a different perspective. Yes. Someone else's comments had provided a different perspective. Just like uh, my friend making comments about the program gave a different perspective. Yes. Which opened me up to the possibility that things might be different. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be on the – I'm not on a railway track headed down a particular road. I can choose to do things differently and that creates change. Yes. And so, you know, that's that's really what all of that did was change my thinking and perspective. Okay. Now, when you're living alone and you're isolated and you're not talking to people, you don't have that perspective. You see things how you see them. Yeah. Do you have or have you had any particular mantras or quotes which you found particularly helpful on your journey? Yeah, I think the main thing really is that we're in the change business. If, If we get stuck on one road and we're not prepared to look at a different road, then we're just going to keep experiencing more of the same. So... Uh, it's not a mantra as such, but really just continually thinking, what can I change? Um, what needs to change? And and that to me is, you know, really important. Just to accept that things, if we want things to be different, then let's have the courage to try something different and give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, we've given it a go, we'll find out some more information and try something different next time. I like it. Are there any bad recommendations or advice you've heard or that you've received during your experience? So the overarching bit of my life has been, you know, 20 years of trying a particular approach that had a whole lot of advice that was just wrong. Yeah, okay. And it comes from the industry that, believes that because someone's in pain, there's something wrong with their body. There's issues with tissues. And and 
even like today, that advice will continue to roll out every day in doctors' rooms around the world. That if someone's in pain, we give them a pill, we send them off for an X-ray or a CT scan or an MRI scan, we inject them with this, we do that. So the bad advice comes from that belief that chronic pain is a biomedical approach. And, you know, doctors and physios have red flags. And those red flags will be a series of questions they ask themselves when they meet someone for the first time to establish that there's not an underlying condition that if it's treated in a particular way is going to cause more damage because we're about helping people. And for me, patients can have their own red flag. So instead of looking at one piece of advice that's bad advice, we can ask ourselves one question. And that question is, is the doctor or the physio or whoever we're seeing looking at my situation as a biomedical problem? And how we work that out is, are they saying you need a new pill, you need a bigger pill, you need an X-ray, you need an MRI scan or an ultrasound, or I'm going to do something to you to treat your pain. That's a biomedical thing. And if, so if, okay. if they're offering that to you and you've got chronic pain, that's bad. Yeah. That's a red flag for me that gives me permission to run out the door and not come back. Okay. And that sounds pretty standard. That's... Yeah, which is the sad, sad thing that in 95% of the cases, that's what's going to be dished up to you. Yes. So the bad bit of advice would be do not go, do not keep seeking advice from a biomedical focus because it, it won't resolve pain at all. Yeah. And when you just the term biomedical focus, what does that mean and what is the what? Uh, the other one you described. Yeah, so look, there's a generally accepted um, model or framework for looking at chronic or persisting pain. Yes. Which has three elements to it. Biological, which is what's going on with our bodies. Social stuff, which is our relationships and our psychological well-being. Our thought processes, how we feel about ourselves. Um, and so if, if we apply that thinking and somebody's only offering one element, then it's not it's a complete a picture. It's, a, it's stuff missing. Yeah. And so for me, what happened to me was I continually sought answers from the doctors who continually dished up a biomedical treatment system that failed to explain that psychological and social factors also contribute to pain yeah. and fail to help me develop an approach to help myself. Had they done that, I wouldn't have had 20 years of chronic pain. Yes. Yeah. That's the end of Chapter 3. In the final chapter, 
Trevor talks about his life now and his day-to-day practices 